Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. We've just lost 90% of our young audience up. Who's Susan Lucci? I don't know why they're an old lady voice, but anyways. And he'd be like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> he, Yeah, exactly. And you can for all you want. You agree to disagree. <laughs> Disney fight. <laughs> See, two dudes talking about Disney. Oh, ah, so many viewers. We just lost so many. <laughs> Hey there, Groovy Cats. I'm Mike Fields. And I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it's because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Right on. How you doing, sir? All right. I'm doing groovy. How now are you we're, doing? we're talking in 70s talk because we're going to be talking about a movie that we both like, right? Oh, yeah. Excellent. We're talking about the nice guys today. So before I start talking about the nice guys, here we go. There it is. I had to flip over my Excel sheet so that I could see the facts. Nice, and nice. I will promise I will stop talking in this groovy tone right now. So the nice guys <laughs> has a runtime of 116 minutes. It's rated R. Had a production budget of $50 million, was released on May 20th, 2016. That was a Friday. It's opening weekend, it did $11 million. Domestic total did 36 and then worldwide 62 So clearly not a hit. I wanted so many sequels. No, it, well, we'll talk about that. So as I said, it was released May 20th. That weekend, it went up against the Angry Birds movie and Neighbors 2, Sorority Rising. Which we saw as a screener, right? We watched Neighbors 2. Did not watch Neighbors 2. We did. Neighbors 1. I think that are called neighbors, but yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, the week before, it uh, what came out the week before was Money Monster, The Darkness, Green Room, and The Lobster. I believe Green Room and The Lobster were limited. So you're probably looking at Money Monster, which is the George Clooney. The George Clooney. Yeah, one, we yeah. talked about, I believe we talked about Money Monster at, at one of our other we podcasts. We did. It, com- it competed against one of our other uh, films at one point as well. Really? Maybe it came out the week after one. Maybe, of maybe. I'm not, because I'm looking through this and uh, maybe. All right. So then obviously this is May of 2016. So on the 6th, you had Captain America Civil War, which I do remember we talked about too. So mm-hmm. you, you did have some, the, the two weeks leading up to the nice guys, you did have a, a heavy hitter in, t- in terms of Captain America Civil War. The week after this movie came out, the 27th, you had X-Men Apocalypse and Alice Through the Looking Glass. Ooh. So you really, yeah, I guess your biggest... Your biggest uh, competition here, and it is hindsight's twenty twenty because you know we know we've seen these movies, so we you know there was a lead up to like oh X Men Apocalypse, it could be you know what what's going to be, and Alice through the Looking Glass is a sequel, so that's you know that's another one that you know people were trying to like oh I can't wait, but um so maybe the it, looking at it right now maybe the competition isn't so fierce because you've seen these, but back then you didn't know, so it, it's and it's the beginning of, it's the beginning of the summer season, so. Clearly, uh, it, it's going to have good movies around it. This movie was directed and written by Shane Black. He had some help on the writing aspect. Anthony, uh, man, Anthony Bagarozzi. No, that's Bagarozzi. Bagarozzi. Eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry if I got your name wrong, sir. Bagarozzi is uh, right. I think I, I think so. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to give it a, an Italian spin to it since I'm Italian, but I don't really know how to give it the Italian I spin. Anthony Bagarozzi. Okay, that's fine. Maybe they probably call him Anthony Bags. Ooh, that'd be a nice name. That's a that's a good, that's <laughs> a good Bags? nickname. Hey, oh, that I is like a good that. that's yeah. a good name too. I, I, if he's listening, hopefully he's going to adopt that nickname. That's a great <laughs> name. That's a great nickname. So Shane Black has directed uh, more recently The Predator, uh, Iron Man three, and then Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He also wrote Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and he he wrote all three of those. But I also have his credits for written. He has written a lot of movies. Now I'm going to list some of these movies, and you're going to be like, really? So Lethal Weapon. Monster Squad, Last Action Hero, Long Kiss Goodnight. Um, it's uh, it's everything. He was he's a big big time writer. He's actually in the original Predator. If you if you remember, I'm not going to go into specifics, but he's actually in that movie, and he did some uncredited rewrites on that he's movie. He's the dude with the glasses. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Well, there's other people with glasses. You got time there? to duck. That's who he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, his writing partner in this movie is actually writing Doc Savage with him, which is what's coming out or what he's working on now. Oh, it's actually going to happen. Well, now? it's in it's in pre production. I know they've been trying to make a Doc Savage for a long time. No, I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming it's coming out. I'm I'm being an optimist. If he's there. writing it, I'm in. 
I'm being an optimist. Music by David Buckley and John Ottman. David Buckley has done the Jason Bourne, uh, The Town, Gone Baby Gone, and Fifty Shades of Grey. I know you're a big fan of that. Oh, yeah. And Ottman is not only, he's an editor as well. So um, He was Brian Singer's go-to guy. He's, he's an editor, but he's also a composer. He does two things. He's, he's, so he, for in terms of music, he's composed Usual Suspects, Valkyrie, which is a movie that we did, mm-hmm. Cellular, and Superman Returns. He actually won an Oscar for editing Bohemian Rhapsody. They won oh, that's it last cool. year, yeah. The cinematography by Philippe Rousselot, 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 hmm, Rousselot, 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 and I know we've already talked about him because he did Constantine, mm-hmm. and I probably got his name better in Constantine when we did it. Uh, I think it was kind of the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm consistent. I'm consistent. And yes. he is uh, an Academy Award winner for River Runs Through It. Produced by Joel Silver, who, if you don't know who Joel Silver is, if you grew up in the 80s and watched a ton of action movies, he produced those. Predator, <laughs> Commando, Die Hard, uh, Lethal Weapon, Hudson Hawk, another episode we did season one, mm-hmm. and a uh, movie called Weird Science. If you have not heard of that, you should check it out. It's pretty good. Weird Science, Weird Science huh? That's a movie that came out in what, the 80s or something? Oh, yeah. That's not forgotten, though, is it? I don't, I don't think so at all. I yeah. think if you grew up in the 80s, that's like, yeah. 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 It's, everyone talks about it. Let me run through the cast and then we'll get to exactly what the nice guys is about. And then we'll dive into our thoughts and, and feelings and share. Oh, all oh. right. Russell Crowe plays Jackson Healy. Um, Russell Crowe is from uh, beautiful mind, man of steel. He won the Oscar for his portrayal of Maximus and gladiator. Ryan, <laughs> Ryan Gosling <laughs> plays Holland March. Uh, you may remember him from such movies as La La Land, first man, Blade Runner, 2049 and the notebook. I know Mike Bell is a big notebook fan. I'm gonna butcher. So, right? I'm gonna butcher this name because I do not know how to say this name, and I tried to find a way to say this name, and I couldn't. So the the role of Holly March, which is Holly March's daughter, is played by Andrew Rice. Yeah, so I would. Yeah. Okay, she's actually in the Spider-Man movies, which I didn't know. I didn't know she's in both of them. She must play one of the kids, like the school kids that are his oh, friend. Really? Yeah, and she's also in the Beguiled, the remake that uh, came out a couple years ago uh, with Nicole Kidman. Excuse me. Matt Bomer plays John Boy. Uh, he is popular from the TV show White Collar, what was on USA. That's where he kind of like you first heard from him. And then he was in Magic Mike. And he's actually in the upcoming TV series, The Sinner. Margaret Qualley is, plays Amelia Kuttner. She is in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes, she is. It? And she's also in the Leftovers TV show. I forgot that she was in um, this movie. And I was like, ah, oh, she's in that's Margaret Qualley. <laughs> Keith David plays his character's name is Older Guy. <laughs> uh, that's that's OK, I guess. Keith David is from The Thing. They live in Requiem for a Dream. He has one of my favorite lines from Requiem from, from a Dream for, excuse me, Requiem. Rec, wow. Requiem for a Dream. Listen, I'm going to do it. You got it. I'm going to redo it so you can just I put it in this. there. Go for it. I swear to God, you better edit it the right way. <laughs> he is <laughs> he is also from Requiem for a Dream. He has one of my favorite lines in that movie, which I will not repeat here. Bo Knapp plays Blueface. If you are seeing the movie, he's obviously the person that gets blue on his face. Oh, man, really? He is in Black and Blue, Super 8, and Death Wish. Kim Basinger plays Judith Kuttner, LA Confidential, Batman, The Natural. She was the one that shoots uh, him in The Natural, FYI. Yaya DaCosta or DaCosta plays Tali. She is from The Kids Are All Right and The Butler. It was called Lee Daniels, The Butler, but I. I'm calling it the butler. Well, you'd be wrong. Well, I don't, I don't agree with that title. That's like me putting my name in front of all the movies that I do. That's stupid. And not that he's stupid. I just don't like that. Jack Kilmer. I only put this in there because uh, it's Val Kilmer's son. So he's in this movie as well. I believe he's Chet. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. And he looks like him too, but he's also in the Stanford experiment. If it was looking. So before we start talking about what we thought about it, uh, Mike, why don't you let everybody know what this movie is about? So the nice guys takes place in 1970s Los Angeles, a Los Angeles struck by smog and pollution because it's before uh, environmental controls were put on cars. Ron Gosling played Holland March, a guy hired by Misty Mountains, porn actress's aunt who Misty Mountains dies two days previous and the aunt swears she saw her alive. So has hired Holland March, private investigator to find her in the process. Jackson Healy, a professional tough guy, gets hired by a girl named Amelia. Amelia is a friend of Misty Mountains or has worked with her and is being fierce for her life. So she hires Jackson Healy to kind of protect her. And one of the ways he does this is he finds that Holland March is looking for her and basically beats the crap out of Holland March. Uh, Both of these guys are really not nice guys, which is the point of the title, nice guys. Holland March is a a heavy drinking alcoholic, uh, single father. Russell Crowe is obviously just a tough guy who dreams of being something more, but finds himself always just wound up beating the crap out of people for a living after Jackson 
beats up Holland and thinks Amelia's safe. He is actually approached by two men, Blueface and old guy. Uh, older guy. Older guy. Uh, and basically asked, where's Amelia? He's able to escape from those two guys and beats them up, finds Holland March and basically says, listen, I need you to solve this case because I need these guys off my back. I need to know, you know, what happened to Missy Mountains and what's going on with Amelia because I need to be able to, you know, live peacefully. He says he doesn't want to move, but he also doesn't want these guys on his back. So Holland March, Private Eye, and Jackson Healy, professional tough guy, team up to try to solve the murder of Misty Mountains um, and find out where Amelia might actually be now. And in the in the process, they get mixed up in this huge conspiracy revolving the Detroit auto industry and environmental controls on cars, which is why I mentioned the smog earlier. It all has to do with catalytic converters and not wanting to put them on vehicles because it would cost too much money. And for this, the auto industry is willing to kill whoever gets in their way to stop it. Uh, Detroit. Detroit. The whole movie is done in an action comedy kind of Lethal Weapon-esque type way, uh, which makes sense because it's Shane Black. Yep. And the movie is fantastic. And that's my review. Yep. It's fucking fantastic. Whoa, whoa, right. the F word. Well, we're going to throw a lot of F word clips in there. We are? Oh, uh, we are? Okay, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, yeah, no, I really, really like this movie. Uh, it's funny. It, I love the, the strong point about this movie is the leads. Oh, yeah. Uh, is, is just their knowledge of their characters in terms of who they are and their decisions and their choices in this movie are what push the story along. Whereas in a lot of movies, you may have characters where things are happening to these characters and then they're just kind of reacting this, like they further the story along as for an example, when they go to the Hollywood party and he gets drunk, March gets drunk. Cause he's, he's dealing with the fact. And I think you met, did you mention he's dealing with the fact that his wife, has recently passed. Uh, the house, their house exploded from a gas leak. I didn't mention that, but yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. He can't smell, so he blames himself. So his daughter, who takes care of him, and his daughter's like a thirteen-year-old girl, and he, uh, he's drunk. He gets, he drinks a lot. Not oh, yeah. drunk, but he drinks a lot. So they go to this party to look for Amelia because she's going to be at this big-time Hollywood porno party, and he gets drunk and you know <laughs> jumps into the tank with the mermaids. So he's got, I got to question him, and so he is up on that balcony. And he is, he's like, I'm an actor. He's talking to this girl and she's like, and she's dressed as like a native American. And he's like, I'm a cowboy. And she like starts shooting him. He's like, Oh, oh. And, he, and then he falls over and he tumbles down the hill. When he tumbles down the hill, he finds the dead body of Sid Shattuck. Right. He sees Amelia. He loses his gun. I'm a cowboy. And you? Pocahontas. What do you do? Do a little bit of acting. Me too. Hey, shoot me. What? Shoot me, shoot me, shoot me. Fucking shoot me. Bang. It's pretty good. Bang! Oh! Bang! That's not going to happen if Holland March is not somebody who is is the perfect PI. If he's not somebody who's been drinking, who has personal issues, who stumbles upon who they're supposed to get like that's the whole point of it like that pushes the story it's an organic style of storytelling where the characters are influencing what's happening within the story now some people may look at that and be like oh that's just happenstance that's coincidence that's just dumb luck that's just stupidity that's you know stupid characters doing stupid things no it's organic storytelling that's an example of it right there you may not want to create a story like that you may not like stories like that right and that's fine but in this movie, it completely works and it's completely validated and justified, which I may seem like I'm coming on the offensive, but I'm only saying I'm only trying to just because a movie is silly or just because a movie has, you know, funny lines and it's just like it's off the wall doesn't mean that there's not some kind of purpose behind it that that would push it along. I totally agree with that. I think the reason I like Nice Guys is because I, I, I've talked before how a lot of procedurals kind of bore me because it's just your main characters are there, but the story just kind of happens and they're almost guest stars on their own show. Right. But in the nice guys, they are the story. The story is them. They, like you said, influence the story. They they affect the story. They become for better or worse part of their own investigation. Yeah. Which adds to the enjoyability of the film adds to their characterizations means that the story and plot actually affects them in different ways and also means that they get to uh, mess it up real good. Right, absolutely. <laughs> in an enjoyable kind of way. Absolutely. And, and also to that point, I, we, I only do this every once in a while. Uh, I'll read reviews 
of the movie. I, I don't ever really read reviews before I watch a movie. If I see a movie I want to watch, I'll watch it. Right. Somebody tells me, hey, this movie's good. This TV show's good. I'll watch it. Even if I want, I'm interested, I'll watch it. I don't look to reviews to kind of shape what I think about a movie. Right. I may look to reviews if I don't understand something in a movie or I'm like trying to grasp what they're trying to say and, and I'm, I want to see what other people say to kind of shape like, oh, okay, that, that makes sense. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. So I was reading some of the reviews off when we were doing the research and Rex Reed had a review where he goes, and it's just, this is just a quote towards the end. It's another submental. Oh, by the way, it's not a good review. <laughs> it's another submental movie for morons churned out by the kind of sophomore Hollywood machine that trademarks the works of Judd Apatow and company. Now, here's the thing. I take umbrage with that for, for a couple of reasons. But one of the reasons is like Shane Black has been around before Judd Apatow. I mean, they may have, you know, Judd Apatow. I mean, you know what I mean? Why like he's been producing. attacking Judd Apatow? I, I don't know. For no it's, reason. It's, it's stupid. It's not his movie. It's stupid. And here's the other thing. With all due respect to Rex Reed. And I, listen, I'm somebody who's going to get up in age. It's not a movie for you. It's so clearly don't review it. It's not a movie that you can enjoy. It's not your type of film. I just I, I this is why I can't stand critics, because it's always like it's this, it's this, it's this, it's this, it's this. There's nothing con there's nothing constructive in that quote at all, at all. There's nothing constructive in that quote. And criticism should be constructive. But anyways, I'll, I'll stop. But it, but I buy but I one more, too. <laughs> <laughs> so A.O. Scott also wrote this. I I don't know who he was. Uh, he I don't think he was with Entertainment Weekly at this time. He's with whoever he's with now. I don't know who. No, New York Times or LA Times. Or, Weekly to say it. I could care less. Sometimes it's everything. Even nostalgic nonsense requires more than attitude and energy, which is all that Shane Black has, Mr. Black has to offer. And despite all its restless detective work, the nice guys is unable to track down a soul or a reason for being. Listen, you ju you just didn't get the movie. You, you just you know it's like. You, I, I don't. You watch when you're in this business, and you probably watch what 400 films a year. I, how how can you really be able to take a step back and enjoy anything? Anything? I, I this is turning into an anti-critics thing, and and I don't mean it that way. It's just it it doesn't serve any purpose to just attack. It doesn't serve any purpose to just give reasons because I'd rather have a review be like, listen, I understand why people like it. I just don't. I like I like um I think Vanity Fair does this. They don't rate rate movies anymore i hate rating movies yeah they they just um which i mean i'll rate a movie when i talk to my friends and stuff but that's me personally just giving sure. it out not to the public because we don't rate movies here we don't judge them at forgotten cinema right but you know if i'm talking to my friends and be like oh i'd give it you know an a b or i'll give it a 10 scale but i like that vanity fair because they're a magazine telling people about the movie they just it's just opinions and stuff like that so they don't ever rate the movie they don't Again, I think that I'm pretty sure this is Vanity Fair. <laughs> They'll just not give a score at the end. It'll be their review, what they thought of the movie. But they won't tell you don't go see it or go see it. Right. Or They'll give you their impression. Or they'll give you their impression of the movie because that's all a review really right. is. Because, again, we've talked about it before. These reviewers are not making movies. They're not putting their heart and souls into sure. these movies. They're not putting them in. They're sitting down on their computers and then basically like comic book guy from The Simpsons uh, talking about their disgust on the Internet. <laughs> well, I mean, generally, I, this movie does have... Uh, a favorable percentage of people that enjoy it. I mean, you know, what's funny is I know a lot of people who actually hate this movie. Really? Yeah. Why do they hate it? They just think it's garbage nonsense. Do they like kiss, kiss, bang, bang? Um, I mean, they're essentially the same film. I'm not sure. I don't think a lot of people, I, I know you think a lot of people have seen kiss, kiss, bang, bang, but really? I really think we need to put that on forgotten cinema. Like, uh, everyone I know seen kiss, kiss, bang, bang. You know a lot of people that are really into movies. Though, Maybe. Unlike our filmies. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> a, a new I didn't realize that a lot of people didn't like this movie. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying a lot of people didn't like this, but I know a decent amount of people that are not. Well, that's too bad. That's too bad because this movie's really, really good. And, and I for and they should give it. I tell them to give it another chance. <sighs> that it might just not be the movie they were expecting. Because some no. people are expecting Lethal no. Weapon, I think. And this is a little more screwball than Lethal Weapon. It doesn't exist in the same world as Lethal Weapon. Well, these guys aren't. I mean, the stuff that happens in Lethal Weapon is it's great. It's good action, but it's ridiculous to think that that's really going to that's really you're going to have a, a guy on your police force that's suicidal. That's going to be able to just walk around with a gun in L.A. and do what he needs to do and just get get away with it. Well, I think that's ridiculous in a more action gritty way. And yes, there's some humor in what they say in their relationship mm -hmm. just because it's witty. And this is more. It's not gritty. It's more bright and humorous. It's like the opposite side of lethal. But weapons. these guys the aren't cops. Side of reality. Yeah, I get you. These guys yeah, are PIs, correct. so they're kind of working outside the law, regardless. Exactly. Yeah. No. I, wow. Fantastic. I didn't. I agreed. Agreed. <laughs> um, I think it's great. Obviously. Obviously. And I, so I don't want to. I mean, this. I know what this episode for us is going to turn into. We're just going to start doing quotes. 
and, and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. To, I want to try to get the other stuff out of the way. first. Right. Right. I, well, I not get the other stuff out of the way first. <laughs> I, I want to just kind of like go into like just the making of the movie and all that stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't realize that it's loosely based on a pulp novel. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was also based on the same writer's set of books, but this is based on the pulp novel Blue Murder. Well, I knew Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was based on a book. I didn't yeah. know that this was. Yeah. And 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 they kind of reference it in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang because like part of the plot is the Johnny Gossamer novels. And in the and, and they talk about how the pulp novel will start off where there's two separate cases, but then they end up becoming one case. And that happens in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Like they're they're two separate things, but they're actually one the same case. Same thing happens here. You know, he's looking for Amelia. And Healy is looking to protect Amelia, but then he wants to find Amelia. But then there's this other thing that that kind of oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Forget it. Balloons I into its own like a bigger conspiracy. It. Basically, this is kind of like the same idea where there's 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 different cases, there's two different things that are becoming one. I think that's that's the best kind of detective story that you want. You want that. That's like classic Sherlock Holmes. Mm -hmm. Is you know you stumble upon what you think is a simple murder. It turns out you're actually now stumbled into investigating something larger. You found the key to yet another investigation that's that's much larger and, and wider, which also makes for a more dramatic narrative as well. It mm -hmm. makes it makes it more of a movie. You know, you solve a simple murder, that's great for law and order. That's great for um criminal minds or psych right, <laughs> or right. monk. But when you're doing a movie, it's like there's got to be another layer to it. Yeah. Which well, I feel like we've done a lot of detective movies and we have a lot of detective movies on the back burner. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, well, I like I, I like, like detective. The yeah. best ones. Yeah. All balloon into something bigger. A yeah. Grander thing. Initially, this was going to be a TV series. Oh, so, really? Okay. Yeah. And I it's still kind of in there. And I think probably when it was the TV series, they probably had more stuff. But there's film nods to the Rockford Files in this in this movie. So when he, his agency ad in the beginning, when she was like, I got a cool ad, you see that? No, that means <laughs> something. Like a Filipino dad. <laughs> yeah. But like, like that's from the Rockford, like that's kind of like it mimics the Rockford Files ad and keeping the gun in the cookie jars, a Rockford Files thing that he would do. So, uh, so I would assume that that just carried over from when it was going to be a TV series. This was written in 2001. This was written 15 years earlier. Oh, really? Yeah. And they, it was set in the contemporary world. It was sent now. And then maybe like, I think 10 years ago, they... Nah, yeah. So 2009, they were like, "Hey, let's put it in the 70s." So that that wasn't even initially where it was going to go. It was supposed to just yeah. Which because I actually like it in this. I think the reason why I like it so much is because it's 1977. The 70s really gives it a different flair and gives it a different style and allows your characters to be more characters. You know, you can't have them dress like that and really show off like that. The 70s style was wild and, and, and inventive and, and colorful mm -hmm. and allows your characters to really kind of dress their part. Yeah. Whereas modern day, you know, you couldn't really, uh, you can still kind of do that, but you could do it a little more now that the fact that their PIs helps too. Yeah. They're not, you know, regulated to like a certain outfit or suit or anything like that. Well, Healy's not really, he's a PI, obviously at the end, he, he's like they, a professional, up, but he's like, like a thug. Yeah, he's like, he's, he's a professional a, tough guy. Is what yeah. I say. He basically stops people from doing stuff. People pay him to stop other people from doing things. Right. Yeah. You know. But I would imagine that the earlier scripts probably have a different wider conspiracy. Cause obviously everyone's got a, what well, I guess a newer version of a catalytic converter nowadays, yeah. you know, environmental controls are on cars. It would have to be something different. You know what I thought? Well, hi. <laughs> which was interesting was well, as I was watching this this time after doing the Chinatown episode they're not Chinatown the two Jake's episode that we did and we talked about how the third in the Jake Getty series was supposed to be about oh the the highways the highways yeah. and pollution and yeah. stuff I was like this is kind of like yeah Shane Black's version of uh the two Gettys mm -hmm. uh the two the Jake's two Jake sequel yeah which I thought was interesting I was like oh I wonder if that's why they did this plot line I don't know I mean maybe I mean I don't know it's <laughs> Detroit had her killed. <laughs> I heard about that. Everyone took a photo. A big turnout. Yeah, big turnout. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I know we're supposed not to. Two, <laughs> two I think she's comparing. I think he's comparing you to uh, Hitler. <laughs> so this was one of two movies that Crow and I already going to blank on the first one because I had it. Uh, that wanted to wanted to do a sequel. Like he wanted to do a sequel of this movie and they just couldn't do it. I mean, they still could. It's only been four years ago. Yeah, let's go. But I did. But <laughs> speaking of that, like, I, I guess let me ask. Let's go into why be why it was forgotten. Then do you think it's forgotten? Is it is it safe to say that it was it's been forgotten or just overlooked maybe? But this isn't overlooked cinema. This is forgotten cinema because <laughs> because people just didn't, quote, get it. You think that's part of the I mean, reason? I don't like to say people. I, no, get I because, get I don't because either. We talk about that one. One person that we both know who always who's what was that? Like he just said, 
oh, you just didn't get it. Oh, it's yeah. Just, it's just like, yeah. I, I hate that. I hate saying that somebody doesn't get it because you're not calling the other person stupid or you're not saying that you get it and other people. I, I just don't. Well, that's a passive aggressive way of saying that I'm better than you. Exactly. So it's, you think people that's get very, it? <laughs> <laughs> that's very the business. I, that's what I always hated when actors are like, you know, people in my drama department back in, in college were like, I want to do this, but I only want to do it. We only act out the emotions of the scene. And I would always say that's stupid. And they would always say, you just don't get it. No, I get it. You want to be artsy, fartsy for no reason and only do part of a play. Mm-hmm. You want to be lazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I hate when people say you just don't get it. It's a defense mechanism for the hoity-toity. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think people just didn't appreciate it. I think that I, I, it's I, definitely got this 90s kind of feel that people aren't like into nowadays. It is, it's a little more over the top than I think people were expecting. It's a really out there movie that's not really it doesn't like Shane Black is not being held back by anybody he's not True. being told that's not really what flies nowadays or like that's not really what's going on now what's, and yet they give him, and it. yet they had him do the predator and they had him yeah. do the predator which I I know you don't like the predator but I, I don't I enjoy the predator I the dialogue I expected a little, but I expected it to be a little bit more I expected okay. more from it and it's it's fine it, yeah the dialogue's funny but I don't know I expected more that's fine. like the the whole the ending of the predator when they're like they show the the suit that they're supposed to it's like that's that didn't excite me oh i'm sure that was forced into it let's make this a universe well it was supposed to be it was supposed to be arnold yeah, yeah yeah so that would and he couldn't do it or he didn't want to do it or whatever yeah. i don't know um did you what about the release date because so, uh, yeah that's i don't think i mean it's the day after my birthday so that's kind of cool no oh, but well, it has nothing to distance about you it's not about me no god damn so your birthday, uh, I didn't realize your birthday was the 19th. Yeah. No, no wonder you love Phantom Menace. Go ahead. <laughs> we talked about that on the Phantom Menace. I don't, I took off you have to understand something. This. I don't remember things. <laughs> I don't remember what we talked about in previous episodes. I just remember we did them. But yeah, I don't think this is a May movie. But I also think the R rating doesn't help it in terms of being forgotten. In terms of Oh, I think the R rating if, makes it better. I, I absolutely yeah. do as well in theaters. But I think in terms of if it didn't make a lot of money in the cinema, this would have gone to FX. It would have gone to different movie th- networks like that. And it really couldn't. Because of the R rating, I'm sure I know that they filmed a toned down version because they have scenes like in the the uh, porno party. They have scenes where girls are wearing bikinis. So they reshot scenes Mm -hmm. to avoid the nudity. And they made an alternate opening where they the guy didn't open the Mystery Mountains. Well, um, you well, yeah, but then you can't because then you can't even go to when she dies because she's naked. Right. When she says when she says her line. So they have like alternate takes for the the cleaned up version. But I think probably nobody wanted that because it's It's, a different movie. So I think the rated R version in terms of getting it out there after the fact become like, because I think this could have been a cult hit. And I think the thing kind of stopping that is it's newer. So maybe down the line, we'll see it become more of a cult hit. And the fact that we are down the line, we're a little <laughs> bit down the line. Some things take a long time to become, you know, something that audiences find. But this, I think it's going to be tough to find this one because it's rated R. This has been on HBO. Not to cut you off. This has been on HBO Showtime. And whatever it's on, I just keep it on. And then my wife would be like, well, what? You're watching this again? You again? I'm like, well, it's good. And then she won't stay watching. But back to the. Well, you should be saying it's it's good and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, well, we'll get to that later. Well, it's interesting talking about the release date because this was originally supposed to be released June seventeenth, even worse, sixteen, <laughs> and they got pushed for Central Intelligence, the Dwayne Johnson Kevin Hart movie. Well, that's smart because Kevin Hart back then. Well, that's a bit yeah. Up. Four years ago, that was when he was blowing up absolutely, and and to to some extent. Dwayne Johnson as well. I mean, that was more probably his movie than her, than Kevin Hart's movie. Right. But yeah, I don't even, and I didn't even know, I didn't even see how much Central Intelligence, how well it did. I didn't even look. I should have. I'm, I'm going to guess. Hold on. I don't remember it being busy. More than this. I don't remember it being busy. Neither do I. So <laughs> did you know that, did you know that Robert Downey Jr. is in this? Is he? Yeah. He plays uh, uh, Sid Shattuck's dead body. <laughs> That's him. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, man, well, I'll, I'll do it. I'll be on there. Yeah, that was him. It's him with a fake beard. They're like, I read the thing. I was like, he plays, he has, he wears a fake beard. Why is, why does that need to be in there? I get that. That That's the note. He also has a half blown off face. Yeah. No, I, I, I get it. He had, he had makeup on it. Nobody knew. I mean, I, why, telling me he has a fake beard doesn't, doesn't help me at all. I'm just, I'm, I think I'm a little cranky today. You're jaded, man. I'm not jaded. I'm just sick and tired of people. I'm I'm sick and tired of having people tell me what I should like or what's good or what's the best thing ever or what's the worst thing ever. The whole friggin' thing is subjective. Welcome to Forgotten Hate Fest. <laughs> I'm that's not, not a hate fest. It's just it's an annoyance with just how people uh I guess take in movies and, and actually 
have conversations and dialogues with other people. I can have a dialogue with anybody about movies. You don't like it. That's fine. I've had people come up to me in something that I've done and said, sorry, I've had people come up to me and say something that I've done and been like, oh, it's, it's not really that good, man. Not that funny. And, and all I would say be like, well, thanks for watching. You know, like, thanks for, thanks for, thanks for joining me. Like, I won't really like, I mean, I get it. It's subjective, but I can have a conversation with somebody who doesn't like the movie and just tell them what I like. I mean, I've had countless people come to my face and say, I hate Indiana Jones and the Kingdom's Crystal Skull. I hate that movie. I hate it. It's so terrible. It's garbage. It's garbage. And it's like, listen, I like the movie and I like the movie because I love Indiana Jones and that's fine. That's my bias. I get that. But I'm not going to have an argument about it with you because that's not going to serve any purpose. I enjoy parts of the movie. I know you like some stuff. You like don't like some stuff. We're still we still talk. We still have yeah. to film discussion. I'm not saying it's the best in the series. Right. And there are and that's there fine. Are, but there are some fantastic parts in there, and it's still like you said, it's still Indiana Jones. And it just bugs <laughs> me when I when I just bugs me when people say like this movie's garbage because even if you don't like the movie in and of itself, there are so there are tons of things in this movie to like about, especially. The lines, especially the quotes. The dialogue in this this film is is bar none, like some of the best in a long time. So give me your favorite one. Oh God. I mean the classic line is obviously don't say and stuff. Just say dad, <laughs> there are whores here. I mean, I think that I mean that was from the trailer, and that's when I knew I wanted to watch this movie. When that when that line, I was like, this movie is what what? Dad. There's like whores here and stuff. Sweetheart, how many times have I told you? Don't say and stuff. Just say, Dad, there are whores here. No, there's like a ton. Wait, no. And then she turns around on the porn actress. She's yeah. like, God, oh, this is Don't where we do anal and stuff. stuff. Don't say and stuff. Just say, this is where we do anal. <laughs> <laughs> the girl's like, yeah. But I think what got me this time uh, more than pretty much anything else is uh, when he goes to the burnt down house and he, the kid's right there and he goes, you know, I tried to show him my dick. Oh, yeah. You know, got a big dick. You want to see my big dick? <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to see your dick, dude. Wait, what am I saying? Fuck. <laughs> Tried to get a job. I offered to show my dick because I got a big dick. All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's very nice. Yeah. You sure you didn't see another girl? Nope. You guys want to see my dick? Nobody <laughs> wants to see your dick, dude. 20 bucks? We already paid you 20. What am I saying? Oh, all right. Or like when um, they bring back Amelia to the house and she's like, you're supposed to be at Jessica's. Oh, my, my sister, my sister put a boy over. Your sister's such a slut. And she's like, I know. <laughs> I also, I love the line after he, after he falls off the roof and older guy just splats oh, on right. the side of the pool and he falls in the pool and goes, wait, how'd you get down here so fast? Wait, you fell off the roof, didn't you? Yeah, I fell off the roof. I think I'm invis- invincible. I, I don't think I can die. <laughs> How'd you get down here? I told you to go to the roof. Did you fall? <laughs> Jesus Christ, you kidding? I think I'm invincible. It's the only thing that makes sense. I don't think I can die. It's just ridiculous. It's just that that in the theater, I think, got me falling off the chair to the point where my girlfriend had to look at me and see why I was laughing so hard. I just lost it at that line. <laughs> it's also funny. Like he's a he's a complete screw up. Um, March uh, oh. Ryan Gosling's character He's a complete screw up, but he's a really good dad. Like he wants to, like you know what I mean? Oh yeah. So, but like, and I you know that when she sits down at the at the bowling alley and she's like. And she she says a joke. She's like rim job, and he's like rim shot, rim, rim yeah. shot. She's saying rim shot. Giving <laughs> a rim shot. <laughs> I, I love when he's trying to open the uh, door uh, to the back of the oh, store at the yeah, beginning, yeah. and he tries to punch the glass, and he's so careful to wrap up his fingers, <laughs> and he punches the glass, and he pulls his hand back across the glass and just cuts his wrist. It's a lot up. of blood. <laughs> oh god. Uh. <laughs> and he's so out of it. He's trying to put the hat on the on the nun in the hospital. Yeah. Oh god, this movie's this movie's fantastic. It's, it, not not just the line, but the scene when they go to the protest march or the protest, oh, yeah. and they're all dead. Not the march, but they're all dead because of the. They're like, what are you guys protesting? The air, man. They were, yeah. they were dying, so that's why you're dead. Yeah. And like, why do you have the gas mask? Like, yeah. It's like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that guys. Who wants to make twenty bucks? <laughs> uh, I did you like? Don't say the Lord's name in vain. <laughs> I didn't, Janet. I found it very useful. Actually. <laughs> did you just to get away from uh, the dialogue? The dialogue. I got more we, we, that's fine. We'll get back <laughs> to it. We'll get back to it. Uh, did you like the 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 two voiceovers to start? Now, a staple of PI movies is uh, the voiceover, right? 
and the next one, the next movie that we do uh, next week, uh, is good. Is also has voiceovers in it, and it's a PI movie. Yes, we um, have a lot of it. So, um, <laughs> did you like that? There was two different voiceovers. Yeah, one's the. It starts with uh, Marsh and it ends with. Um, no, it starts off Neely, with. Right? Uh, it starts off with Neely. Healy, excuse me. It does me. start off with Healy, and then it ends with Marsh. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I like that because it's like they're both now partners. They're both telling the. They're bookending their own story. Mm-hmm. So I, I do like that quite a bit. Is it needed? No. But again, like you said, it's a staple of a good detective, yeah. a detective story. That's what you're going to have, though. It sets up everything. They're providing the exposition without having it crammed into the dialogue. Well, I mean, you do have expositional dialogue in this movie because you have to in any movie. What I like about stuff like that, it's one of the tropes of noirs that I actually like the best because right off the bat, within that narration, you get a lot of the personality and the opinions and the thoughts of your main character where they don't usually have the most dialogue. So you get a lot of that right off the back end and you know, this is, this is the guy I'm following They're you know, right dialogue. off the bat. Yeah. Do I like this guy or not? Yeah. I love the, uh, when she, he's taking the job and she's, he's the woman's looking for her husband and, and she's like, I don't know where he is. Where's Fred? And he looks to the urn and it says Fred. And he's just like, double takes on the urn. She How was, long has it been since you've seen him? Since the funeral. <laughs> I can start right away. <laughs> and that's the other kind of wink, nod, joke of the of the title of the movie, The Nice Guys, because these guys aren't nice guys. This, the, you know, uh, Holland March takes money from old ladies knowing that, they, you know, he are, the case is really not a case, but he still takes money. Like, and, and that's like Amelia's aunt when she. Yeah. He's like, I can't I can't do this case. And he, she opens her checkbook. He goes, how much? And he stops and he wants to say no. Yeah. But he doesn't. Well, that's the only way he can make a living. And the daughter knows the scam. You're like, oh, you wait a couple, wait three days, and you come back, and you got to leave, but you don't tell her what it is. But you need more money, you need an extension. He, and she even knows that that's the scam, and that's what that. Even when they get hired by Judith Kittner, a uh, Cutner, excuse me, Kittner's uh, from Draws. As soon as you get hired by Judith Cutner, uh, his whole plan is just to go back in three days to get more money. Like, so he's, you know, I love when she's writing out the check for ten thousand. Goes, we couldn't do it for more than. Five thousand for less than five thousand dollars. He winks, yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, mm. and then she like rips up the check for ten thousand dollars. <laughs> um, we have, we've talked about the dialogue. We've talked about the lines. What do you think about the action in this movie? I like the action yeah. in this movie because it's the gunfight's fantastic. The gunfights are cool. The when things get, people get hit, I mean they get hit, and when they get shot, they get shot. I d- I actually like the fact that there's collateral damage in this movie where people are getting hit when they uh that aren't involved in the movie oh, like bystanders yeah, yeah like um i know it's a funny moment at the party when the giant guy in the stilts gets whatever he's supposed to be some kind of log man or yeah <laughs> uh he gets hit and but like even when they go attack healy oh, it the is, woman across, and the, woman the, across the whole alley and i think that's because so they they leave because someone got shot so they get out of there right i liked that i like just because it's you're firing guns you know wherever you are uh, people are going to get hit. Right. And I, I like that they were showing it just to kind of like the collateral damage and back to Keith David, his older guy, their fight too at the jacuzzi is really, is a good fight is a nice, you know, hand to hand fight that, you know, that we haven't seen probably. Right. Instead of like ninja moves and stuff, it's just right. that when they hit, it's like, it's they're two they dudes punching. Hearts. Right. Yeah. Well, I like the poetic nature of martial arts and even like the John wick series does that a little bit, but John wick is more, more rough and grappling. That's his style in that movie. Right. But other movies where you see kind of like people fighting, it's all choreographed and stuff like that. And this is choreographed too, but this is more just two guys fighting two enforcers fighting. And it feels that way. Much like when you see Indiana Jones fighting in his movies, it's a, it's a guy fighting. It's not, you know, he hadn't, he didn't take martial arts till you know, right. It's, it's two people fighting Tough or one, guys. one guy's going to die. Right. But they just, they're not necessarily martial. Art. Yeah. It's, right. it's real. And it makes each hit is violent and unexpected. It's mm-hmm. not a dance. Mm-hmm. But, and you know, you get the cannonball punches, which are nice. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. I like, I love when he shoots him through the leg with the jacuzzi and you see the water coming out of the jacuzzi. Yep. Yep. I think that's a clever way to end it. Although I don't think the gun would have shot through the wood, through the water. Why not? It slows down the bullet. And in a revolver, I don't think it would have shot. I don't know. It's a movie. Yeah. At some point, you're going to have to. It's a movie, man. Right. I get that. <laughs> I'm just realizing it now. I'm saying I didn't think that when I watched it. Now I'm like, would that have actually gone through the wood? Because it's got to go through layers. But that's neither here nor there. So I don't really have any kind of, I don't want to say negative, but any kind of something that really that stood out where I wasn't like a big fan of. Um, Do you? 
you know, it's, it's tough for me to find stuff I don't like about this movie because when I watched it, the first time I watched it, I was enamored by it. And it even made my top 10 list of, you know, the last decade because right. this movie is just fantastic. Uh, but when I was watching it this time, the only thing I wasn't as big a fan of, which I loved the first time around, and I still think it's funny, is the uh, hallucination with the bee. You didn't like it? I still thought it was funny. But as I was watching it, I, can, I was thinking, I can see why some people at this point might have been a little turned off by the movie. That's an hour into the movie. Yeah, because it kind of comes out of nowhere. Like, if people were on the fence the whole time, that might have been people's breaking point of, it's a nah. like. Why would it be just, break? They're talking about the bees all the time. It's really weird and out there. Yeah. Uh, I I still thought it was hilarious. Yeah. When the bees like, nah, man, it's just too smoggy. You get up there, you can't see nothing. Oh, we're not. We haven't been flying around her forever. Yeah, I guess. I, it, it's still funny, and I love the the whole ankle. But here's the thing, too. Thing. This goes to my point when we started the podcast episode is that these characters shape the story. He doesn't he doesn't fall asleep because he's overtired and drunk and no, you know, coming down. He doesn't fall asleep. He doesn't crash the car. He does you don't realize that they didn't get money. Like, you know what I mean? They're already they, oh, they actually yeah, don't have yeah. a brief of money. And she's like, oh she said she packed it herself. And then they go home and that's when you have the, the gunfight. And he yeah. throws her through that plate glass window. I don't know how she's not cut up. When he throws Jessica, the the girl like, when John she Boy falls, she just kind of falls. Oh come flat, on man. He threw really he threw that window. Chucked her through that thing. She doesn't marsh it and like rub his hand against the broken <laughs> shards of glass. But yeah. I, I I agree that that's funny, and I I get why they have to have him crash because it's through their mistakes that they they figure out the truths. Yeah. Um. But I just it's very out there. It's a really out there moment mm-hmm. that just kind of comes out of left field. And I feel like I appreciate that kind of humor and that kind of weirdness. But I feel like a lot of people don't. Like me, the people that like were like, huge fans of the movie. You mean like general public? General or public. Like, like I don't like I know um my girlfriend loves this movie as well. Like good. when we were when we good were about to watch her. it, I was like, Hey, do you want to watch we'll watch Nice Guys this week? She was like, Oh yeah, let's watch Nice Guys. Uh so obviously she was laughing at a lot of the same parts, but I don't think she likes the B part that much either because I was still laughing the second time, but I did notice she wasn't really laughing at that part. Really? As much. Yeah. So I feel like there were some parts that like the weirdness of the of the B scene that just didn't kind of work for her i i thought well that's fine i mean i, I get it if you know it's okay uh, to like things that are weird though. exactly <laughs> i mean i i like it and again it's the only part where this time i was like could this have been changed a little bit made a little bit more a little bit different sure mm-hmm. but i mean i still enjoyed the scene and i love everything about this movie so <laughs> i like that it was it was shot in la um Obviously, some scenes are shot in Los Angeles, but they actually used Atlanta as well. Uh, so I enjoyed the production design element of just kind of like making it into the 70s. Oh, even absolutely. if even if like the billboards are, are are digital mats and stuff like that, I get that you can't do everything. But like just it almost it it was really well done that it became like almost a character in the story, which I thought was was very cool. So I was really into that. John Ottman drew inspiration for his compote for his uh, for the music from 70s shows SWAT the Dean Martin show and the streets of San Francisco. So the score for this movie was influenced by some of the TV shows from the seventies, which also I, again, because this was initially going to be a TV series, I'm wondering if a lot of the same threads and callbacks and influ- influences for this movie came from more TV serials from the seventies rather than movies from the seventies. I could see that, yeah. Especially the opening. The opening's got that doo and No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the old yeah. Warner Brothers logo, which I liked. I appreciate yeah, of course. It. Well, you see that in um, Joker, too. They, they do that for Joker. Joker does yeah. that as yeah. well. And uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, it wasn't Warner Brothers, but it did put an old logo. They did, yes. They did. Yeah, I really don't have much to nitpick about this movie. Um, I'm very surprised when you said that, you know, people that don't like it. I just I, That surprises me. I will say this. I didn't realize that both Crow and Gosling never had formal training as that for as an actor like they never they both quit high school and went to just go be in stuff really yes now oh. as an actor well i know ryan gosling started young well they both but, did yeah as in well granted crow probably started over in australia, australia yeah. yeah if you don't know he's australian um <laughs> as an actor does that how do you feel about that does that bug you does that not bug you because like there's there's a bunch there's a slew of actors that don't have formal training like johnny depp and i know that your training comes from your experience your training comes from doing the thing and there are some people who are just born good at it Mm -hmm. good at pretending 
really. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you're pretending. You're playing, you're playing it, and that, that's simplifying that's it. That's what I always say. That's definitely simplifying. I don't, I don't mean no, to that's... minimize. No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying for other people listening, I'm not simplifying the, the role of an actor, but it is. It's it's uh, pretending well. I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, going to school to learn how to be an actor <laughs> at, a, at a university. And I can tell you right now that acting is just playing pretend professionally. It is not as easy as people think it might be. But it is playing pretend professionally. It's kind of like what we do in our commercials. Exactly. So <laughs> I'm getting pretty good at that. <laughs> but if you, ha- one of the things I learned in, in college, one of the classes, uh, one of my professors, who was a great actor, great director, uh, was a class about performances, a class about basically being an actor and what it takes, like in terms of studying your roles and stuff like that. And it was really early on in the course. And he just said, You need to study. You need to learn this. You need to actually. Get here on time. You need to do the required reading. You need to get up and perform in front of this class. You need to go audition for things. When you're off in the summertime, you need to be either writing, creating, recording, going off and doing plays or thinking about what you want to do. Because if you, you're not going to make it out there. And he said, this whole class, none of you are going to make it. Out of a hundred classes, maybe I'll have one person who makes it as an actor. And he goes, and the reason why, if you had it, you'd already be doing it. Right. And that's these people, these people that start young, like Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe and any child actor, they've already got it. Right. You know, they've just have this innate ability. They don't need any training. They don't need any learning experience. They just get on camera. They're comfortable. And they're fantastic. Yeah, they're comfortable right, doing right away. Right, yeah. right. And maybe as they get older, they'll get better and better and better and better. Sure. But they start off good enough. Yeah. To get jobs. Yeah. And the more you do things, the more experience you have, the better yeah, you are. Absolutely. As well. If you're just a pretty face that just gets hired because you're, uh, you're, you're, you look, you look great. You well, know, that's how that's, it, that's fine, but maybe you'll get really good. There's at the different end. ways to get into the door, quote unquote, or get right. as kiss, kiss, bang, bang says, get invited to the party. Um, but you, well, wait, he gets invited to the party. <laughs> <a little different. laughs> I don't know. Let him go. Keep going. Anyways. Um, but yeah, so, but Getting there, you know, staying there is what, you know, is where, you know, you as a, your strength as whatever, an actor or performer or whatever you're in, you know, right. whatever you're doing, right, director, that's, that's key. And that's, that's always, that's always the hard work. I tell my kids all the time when they want to, I don't want to do this, I want to do that. It's like, you can be whatever you want to be, but you're going to have to work at it. You got to be hard, work hard. Exactly. Like Ryan Gosling started as a child actor. I remember watching him in Young Hercules, mm-hmm. um, which was on WB Kids or Fox Kids or something like that. Uh, it, he was not great. <laughs> On the, the, obviously, the reason he got that was because he was a pretty face. Sure. And it's like, oh, yeah, let's put Ryan Gosling. The ladies love him. Sure. But like if you look at like his the way his movies have gone, right, younger Ryan Gosling couldn't have done a movie like Nice Guys, I don't think. Uh, Ryan Gosling's now? I don't know. Absolutely can. I think starting with like The Notebook, he's been on like a hot streak where like his movies, he's been fantastic. Of course. Well, I know he's a little bit more made, The Notebook's but, what made him, obviously, people, a lot of people know about him, but like right. he was... He got, he started at uh, whatever it was. Remember the Titans? Yeah. He was like the quarterback or something in that one, I think, or the wide receiver or something like that. He's okay in that, but you could tell but he's like a lot of A lot of people but, are in that movie. Right. So, yeah. I just meant like just the fact that, you know, these people don't have formal training. Like, I, that's a, that's train, like when, no, by doing. I know. That's like when people look at the resume, like, oh, let's see you. It's like, that, that's not what's important. Like, just, just do the scene. And also, the people around you help you out as well. You watch other sure. actors doing their process, especially when you're behind the scenes like that. Sure. You can see what they do and get experience, and they'll give you tips and they want to help you. Your co stars want you to be better because it makes them look good as well. Yeah. You don't want to be acting next to a bad actor because mm-hmm. then your acting will just seem out of place if you're doing a good job. And their bad job will just make you look worse. Right, right. I mean, some like the only people that are going to be you're overshadowing me are going to be the the snootiest of the snooty actors who are really just like all out for themselves, right? And just want them to look good. Yeah, but yeah, nobody um, wants to be next to a bad actor, so they'll help help you out, especially a younger actor. All right, so I think we're wrapping up. That that's Butler's uh, acting the bit lecture for today. <laughs> I've got uh, more for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> not, um, not for this. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything else to add other than I don't? I mean. Uh, more dialogue you like <laughs> more scenes you like before we wrap this up i'll tell you a couple of scenes i like i like when he's like diner guy you're that diner guy guy right that story that diner guy and he tells him a story and then he falls asleep and then when he tells him about the diner guy again he's, he's like, like it's like it's about yesterday what were you talking to me i love when he's trying to find the ankle gun yeah and he's like you got the ankle gun the ankle gun the gun what are you talking about i mean wait was i dreaming that was a dream that was a dream wasn't it <laughs> and vicky's looking at the whole time with the gun <laughs> Uh, or where they're talking to uh, the they're in the Department of Justice office, and she's like, "My other business, my other business, is like porno." And he's like, "Oh, really? What kind? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what your, what kind do you like? What's your favorite?" And she's like, "He's like, no, not." <laughs> yeah, she she does it. She tries to put an end to porno. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, 
Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> I love that at the end of the movie, the whole lesson is like, like uh, Marshall obviously has alcoholism mm-hmm. and he drinks all the time and he gets into the bar and Russell Crowe's drinking. He goes, and they talk about how they failed and how, you know, yeah. the Detroit industry got away with everything. He goes, well, at least you're drinking again. <laughs> He's like congratulating Russell Crowe for drinking straight out of the bottle. <laughs> she says her husband's, uh, uh, what did he say? He says her husband's cheating on her with Linda Carter. Or, oh, or yeah. could be somebody like Linda Carter. <laughs> All right. So I guess, you know, um, uh, if you didn't like the nice guys, that's that's too bad. But we did. So, you know, <laughs> oh, thank you for coming. Thank you for journeying down this lane with us to memory lane and thinking about you know, all the good lines and scenes and dialogue that we enjoyed. I don't know where I'm going with that. So just cut that up. Butler. All right. <laughs> so, all right. So join us next week. We're going to be talking about another private investigator movie. Uh, but this is a little bit more of a drama, not more, not not as comedic as uh, this one. Oh, it's not a comedy. No, you weren't laughing, were you? Uh, some parts. Oh boy, at Miles' scenes. <laughs> you mean Mouse? What? His name is Mouse. Mouse. At Mouse's yeah, scenes, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So we're doing Devil in a Blue Dress next week. Uh, the Denzel Washington movie directed by Carl Franklin, written by written by Carl Franklin, but based on a Walter Mosley book. Um, but yeah, so that's actually that came out in the mid '90s. So we're going back to the '90s next week. Oh yeah. Thanks for listening today, guys. As always, if you want to follow us, Mike, where do they, where can they find us? You can find us on our website at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com, where we have links to all of our older and newer past, present episodes, as well as our merch store, where you can buy and walk around as a walking billboard for us, which we would appreciate. We also have, from there, have links to our social medias. You can find us on social media at Forgotten Cinema Pod, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. We post all the time. We post commercials every week as Correct. well. Correct which are pretty funny. You guys should check those well, out. I think they're funny. <laughs> I mean, I hope they're funny. I hope you like them. Please like them. <laughs> and uh, if you are listening to this podcast with a friend and you don't know where they're listening to this podcast, again, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found. Awesome. So we'll see you next week, guys. I'm Mike Field. I'm uh, Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Hey, Phil. Yes. You want to see my big dick? <laughs> Nobody wants to see your dick, dude. <laughs>